0: What is up, guys, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Newly Meds podcast. Today, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. We're going to be doing a new series that I hope to continually add as the podcast progresses called Quick Crit. It's going to be a short 20 to 30 minute episode on a topic that varies. But for example, today, we're going to be talking about the difference between normal saline and lactated ringers when and why you would use either or, and what they are. So when we're thinking about quick crits, we're just going to be conceptualizing some topics that are really pertinent to the pre-hospital field and talking about it for a brief episode so that we can chunk a good amount of knowledge and evidence into a quicker episode. We've been having some awesome fun having some guests on the podcast It's really been great to talk with my coworkers, some amazing people, and we have some really awesome things planned for the future. It's crazy to think that this podcast is going on one year, and at the end of our first year as a podcast will be the closing of our first season, and we have a ton of great things in store for season two of the podcast. So without further ado, let's jump into the topic that I had already mentioned, Today we're going to be talking about normal saline and lactated ringers or a balanced crystalloid solution that is similar to LR. It's important to get a few things down as far as the basis of what these fluids are. We love pathology on this podcast, so it's not quite pathophys, but it is a little bit of chemistry, a little bit of biology doing some terminology. So when we think about fluids in the pre-hospital setting and even in the hospital setting, you're gonna hear it all the time. Is this a isotonic fluid? Hypertonic? Is it hypotonic? So what do we mean when we say what really this fluid is? And when we say that, we're thinking about the tonicity. And so that's the ability of a solution to move water in and out of the cell. And when we think back to chem or bio, We talk about osmolarity and osmosis um, and active diffusion, a lot of those things that we've heard about how water moves throughout our cells. So when we think about how tonic something is, we think about how well it moves water in or out of the cell. So if something is hypertonic, we're going to think that the cell is going to become more skinny. So when I think hypertonic, I think something's very active. It's moving all the time. It's hyper. So it's going to move water out of the cell, thus making our cell a little bit more skinny. And so that's going to be like our D10s, our D20s, our D50s. Those are all examples of hypertonic solutions. On the other hand, we have hypotonic solutions And when we think about hypotonic, contrary to hypertonic, our cells are going to grow in size. So they're not moving around. It's hypo. The cells are going to get bigger. And they're getting bigger because water is moving into the cell. So with these, we're thinking about like a 0.33 or a 0.45 normal saline solution, a little bit of a different concentration of normal saline. And then when we think isotonic, there's no flow into or out of the cell. It's going to be our neutral fluids. And that's what we're going to be focusing on today. It's really what we're giving a lot when we are administering fluids in the pre-hospital or even in the hospital setting uh, for fluid challenges or fluid resuscitation. We're giving some isotonic fluids. Those are going to be our 0.9% normal salines our D5 with lactated ringers, or just our straight lactated ringer solutions. And so when we think about using these different types of solutions, it's really gonna be situationally based. So when would we want to use a hypertonic solution? When do we want fluid to come out of the cell, water to come out of the cell? Typically, we're thinking our patients who are hypervolemic in a fluid overload state. If they are in pulmonary edema, We're going to try and get some fluid out of the cells. Hypotonic is going to be really good for our patients who are severely dehydrated or hyperglycemic. A lot of times we're using uh, hypotonic solutions with uh, diabetic ketoacidosis because we want water to get into those cells that are probably a little bit more acidotic. They need a good bit of fluid resuscitation. And isotonic, like I said earlier, that's what we're using very frequently. We're using it for a lot of our fluid resuscitations And so we're going to dive into a little bit more about what isotonics are. And so when we think about isotonic solutions, like I said, it's going to be our normal saline that's 0.9% and our lactated ringers. We would say that our isotonic solutions are most similar to human plasma. So that's the next bit of background that we're going to get into is what is the composition of our human plasma? So when we think about human plasma, we typically would say that our sodium is at one thirty-five to one forty-five, and that's milliequivalents per liter. Our potassium is between four and a half to five. Our chlorides ninety-four to one eleven. Our calcium's two point two to two point six. We have some magnesium, some bicarbonate, some lactate, a lot of different values there. And so when we think about normal saline. Again, when we think isotonic, we're trying to get it similar to human plasma. Normal saline has 154 milliequivalents per liter of sodium and 154 milliequivalents per liter of chloride. That's it. The rest is just water. So our 0.9% saline has obviously sodium chloride, and then it's diluted to make it 0.9%. And so when we think about that, it's not really similar to our human plasma at all. It actually has more sodium and more chloride in it than the normal composition of our human plasma. So that's something that we're gonna revisit here in the episode. It's a really good concept to know. And when we think about our lactated ringers, it has 130 mEq of sodium, it has four mEq of potassium, 109 of chloride, 2.7 of calcium, and it has 28 of lactate that's the composition of lactated ringers. And when we think about the lactate in LR, it is very quickly converted to bicarbonate. So if you listened earlier, our human plasma has one to two milliex of lactate, lactated ringers has 28, but human plasma has 23 to 27 milliex of bicarbonate. That lactate that's in LR very quickly gets converted to bicarbonate. So when we think about the differences between these two fluids, One of them, more often than not, is going to be better in a majority of our patients. So let's talk about that a little bit. If we're thinking, how do we make the most appropriate fluid resuscitation for our patients, what fluid should I give? We would want to give something that's probably pretty close to their human plasma. We want to restore equilibrium in the body And so when we're looking at it on paper, lactated ringers is the obvious choice. And when we start to dive even further into literature, there's some really great studies that were conducted that show LR is super beneficial for patients. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit more because I know what you're thinking right now. I was told never to give lactated ringers in hyperkalemic patients and acidotic patients, really told to not give LR as much as you're giving normal saline. And I'm here to tell you that that's wrong. We've been doing it wrong. And there's some really, really great literature out there that shows we've been doing it wrong. So right now you're thinking, well, what's that great literature that says I should probably be giving more LR than saline? What is some of that literature that says ringers is not bad in our patients, probably the right thing to do in a lot of our patients? So the first thing that we want to address is what we talked about earlier. Should we be giving it to our hyperkalemic patients? Does it really make sense to give a patient who already has a ton of potassium a fluid challenge that has potassium in the mixture? And the answer is yes. There were two massive studies that were conducted, and they showed some awesome findings with LR and saline. And so the two studies that were conducted was the SALT-ED trial and the SMART trial. We're going to talk about both of those in this episode. And they were very similar trials, except one of them evaluated non-critically ill patients and the other evaluated critically ill patients. But the first myth that we want to debunk is, should we be giving ringers to patients who are hyperkalemic? And the answer, long story short, is yes. And quite simply, these studies showed that the patients that had normal saline actually developed more severe hyperkalemia than the patients that received ringers. About 14% of the patients developed that severe hyperkalemia compared to only 8% that received the LR that developed severe hyperkalemia. And the other massive finding of this study showed more findings with our electrolytes and it really looked at our renal function. So one of the things that this study looked at was major kidney events in 30 days. And the patients that received ringers had 4.7% of of those patients had a major kidney event within 30 days and 5.6% had one in 30 days with the normal saline. With the normal saline group, they also had a major increase in hyperchloremia. They had more chloride in their system. 35.6% of patients had more chloride in their system. And they also had a higher 30-day mortality. 29.4% of patients had a higher 30-day mortality with the normal saline compared to their counterpart, which was lactated ringers that had 25.2% mortality. So, those findings in the SALT ED and the SMART trials showed that Ringers is actually pretty good for our patients that have renal impairment. It's pretty good for our patients who are hyperkalemic. They're actually not developing severe hyperkalemic or hyperkalemia compared to our saline counterparts that are receiving uh, normal saline and developing more hyperkalemia. And when we think back to earlier in this episode, that actually makes a lot of sense because. LR has that bicarbonate in it, it has a buffer in it, and it has potassium in it. And when we're giving that potassium to the cell, it's going to want to draw toward that lower concentration. So it's going to have a lower concentration of potassium in the cell because the LR has four to five milliequivalents. And if the potassium is six, seven, or eight, it's going to want to be drawn toward that concentration. And we've seen this in studies of ringers versus saline. And the other myth that we hear is if our patients already have a high lactate, if our patients are in lactic acidosis, avoid ringers. The same way that we talked about hyperkalemia, our patients have a ton of potassium. Let's not give them something with more potassium. And so the speculation would say that In LR, you have 28 milliequivalents per liter of lactate compared to normal saline, which has none, and human plasma has one to two, so it's gonna worsen lactic acidosis. But that's actually wrong, and we talked about it earlier because when our bodies metabolize that lactate to prevent the cellular death, it's gonna turn into bicarbonate, and we won't be having the metabolic acidosis. And we, again, see this in another double-blind randomized control trial And this trial showed that patients that received normal saline had a decline in their overall pH. So we're actually seeing them become more acidotic, again, compared to the lactated ringer's counterpart. So what do a lot of these studies show? And as always, I'm going to link all of the literature in the show notes. But a lot of these studies are showing that lactated ringers is a lot better than normal saline for a ton of our patients. We know that saline is going to exacerbate our acidosis. We know that it's going to be a little bit more dangerous in hyperkalemia, actually. And we know that saline is going to increase the potassium in our body and make our patients more acidotic and more hyperkalemic. There was a significant number of animal trials that were conducted. One of them showed normal saline versus lactated ringers in sheep with septic shock And normal saline was associated with more acidosis, a reduced cardiac index, more coagulation, a number of negative findings with normal saline. So when we think about this in the pre-hospital setting, it's important to take everything into consideration, to look at these studies, to get a better understanding of the new up-to-date medical literature that's out there. And finally, using all of that to broker the best treatment plan for our patients. And sometimes you might not be able to. Your service may not carry lactated ringers. They only carry normal saline or vice versa. And I'm not saying that we should throw normal saline out. Lactated ringers can't be used with blood. And in the pre-hospital setting, more services are trying to get blood or blood products administered in the the pre-hospital field. Another study showed that Ketamine, something that we're starting to see more prevalence in in the pre-hospital setting, it can't be given with lactated ringers. It has to be dripped with normal saline. So it doesn't mean throw out normal saline. It means that we need to make critical clinical decision-making to provide the best treatments for our patients. And what we do know, based off the literature, is that lactated ringers has a number of benefits for our patients, And especially because of the SMART and SALT-ED trials, which were massive crossover trials, we know that patients who receive saline have about a 1% increase in death or renal failure, as well as a number of negative effects when they receive that normal saline, even if it's just a liter. And this is what I want to leave you with because of this episode is we might not always see those effects in the pre-hospital setting. You know, we're riding the patient into the hospital. They're a little bit hypotensive. You give them a liter of normal saline. You never really see how they do afterwards. But they might have some negative effects. They might develop some hyperkalemia or a renal issue. Those patients may even have an increased mortality and pass away. And if we're not following up, if we're not ever finding that out, you would never know that what you're doing is causing harm. So that's why it's really important to look at the literature as a whole to understand how we can better treat our patients. So it's important to remember, and that's what I'm going to leave you with at the end of this episode, is that normal saline is not something that we should just throw out. It's actually a little bit more on the hypertonic side than isotonic. And we talked about that in the beginning of the episode with our human plasma content. And we debunked a few of the myths with lactated ringers. And hopefully now you're starting to think, maybe I should be giving ringers to a lot more patients. Maybe I should be a little bit more conservative with my saline and figuring out the appropriate situations to do everything in. And so it's, again, the most important piece of this podcast is to remember that we are trying to make the most appropriate clinical decision. And these quick, quick episodes are great for that because we can dive into some literature and look at how evidence-based medicine works. And so that's what I want to leave you with today. I urge you to jump into the articles, to look up the SMART trials and the salty D trials and formulate your own opinions and treatment plans based off of what you have on your ambulance, what you have on the helicopter or in the hospital. We're only as good as the tools in our belt but we're also only as good as our knowledge base and foundation. And the more we add to that, the better providers we're going to be for our patients. And that's the most important thing. Develop strong, well-thought-out clinical decision-making to give our patients the best outcome possible.